Masechet Ketubot, Daf Sadi, we begin the 10th Perek with a case of a man who has two wives and each wife or the heirs are uh, arguing over the limited funds that he has if he does not have enough funds to pay for both Ketubot um, and the inheritances that uh, belong to each. So who gets what? We have two scenarios in the Mishnah. Mishaya Nasui Shete Nashim Umet Whoever is married to two women, he will die. Just kidding. This is the scenario. If he's married to two men and he dies first and his wives are still alive, then the first wife collects her ketubah before the second. Uh, here is a little chart. Uh, we have a husband and he has two wives. The husband, If the husband dies first, and there are limited funds, so then the husband pays, his estate pays the ketubah of the first wife first, because she, since she was married first, her ketubah is earlier, and so the lien, she has a lien on his property, and her she has a, a, a lien on it at an earlier date than the second wife, therefore she gets paid in full, and if there are funds left over, then the second wife will get paid. Uh, that's the first line. If you have the same case where the husband died first, but he didn't get a chance to, the, uh, the, the wives did not get a chance to collect their ketubot, and both of the wives died after the husband, well then the heirs of uh, each have a right to collect the ketubah that was already owed to the wife, since the wife was alive when the husband died, so then she was owed that ketubah, and so they get to collect the amount of the ketubah from the estate. Uh, so who gets to collect first? Well, the sons of the first wife get to collect first. If there's limited funds, then they'll be the only ones paid uh, before the second wife. Once again, because the first ketubah of the first wife has an earlier lien on the husband's property than that of the second. And so they basically are inheriting that collection, that debt that they they, they can collect. So these are um, these are the first, that's the first scenario. Now, second one. Nasa et harishona umeta, nasa shiniya umethu. If a man gets married to one to one woman, she dies first, and then and he marries a second, and then he dies uh, before his wife, before his second wife. Then the second one and her heirs are proceed the heirs of the first. So in this in the first scenario, it's the first wife and her heirs that get precedence. In the second scenario, it's the second wife and her heirs that get precedence. What is the reason? Let's see. So the order is the first wife died, then the husband died, then the second wife dies. Now, the second wife is owed a ketubah payment. Since she was alive when the husband died, so the, at the point that the husband died, his estate owes her a ketubah. If they paid her a ketubah, she would have it in her hands, and if she died later, whatever was in her hands would go to her sons. If it so happens that the husband's estate did not get a chance to pay the ketubah and she died, nevertheless, that is a loan that's still outstanding that the sons can collect. So here's the law. A ketuvah payment to a wife is a loan and enacts a lien on his property. That, get, get, that gets paid first 
before any inheritance is uh, is shared. So that's why she uh, or her sons get that ketuvah payment first before anything happens with the inheritance. Now, regarding the inheritance, there is a general inheritance that you know whatever is left gets split evenly. But there is also a special clause uh, that we've discussed before called benin dichrin. It's a clause in the inheritance that says that even if the uh, a wife dies first, uh, that would be this case, this wife who dies first, at the point that she dies, there's no kituvah payment because the husband inherits her anyway. And so he doesn't have to pay anything. But eventually when the husband dies, then the kituvah payment does go to her sons. This is a, a way of ensuring that, let's say, she brought property into the marriage. Her father gave her some property. And the, the, that her father says, I don't want my the property I'm giving into be into into the marriage to be split up with some foreign uh, wives' sons. I don't want that to happen. I want it to go to my grandchildren. He has a right to do that, and so to encourage him to give more uh, more of a dowry. So this is, uh, so the law is that she um, her sons can inherit the kituvah. They don't get paid immediately when she dies, but rather after she dies and the husband die. So in this case, there is a benin dichrin that the first wife will get. And so this Mishnah is teaching us that when the the first wife dies, then the husband dies, at that point, they are owed a benin dichrin. Uh, But he also owes a kituvah. So the kituvah is paid first because that is a loan. The benin dichrin, this is going to be a major principle that we're going to see in this sukya is part of an inheritance and is not a loan, is not, does not have a lien on land. And so that's why the kituvah payment takes precedence. And only after that, uh, the, her sons get the kituvah payment. So they're both getting a kituvah payment, but in different mechanisms. Um, for, this, for the second wife, since she was alive when he died, he has to give her the kituvah. Even if she dies after, he has to give the sons the kituvah payment as a regular kituvah, alone with a lien on the lands. Whereas the kituvah payment he is giving to the sons of his first wife is not as a loan, but rather only as benin dichrin, which is only after he dies, and so that goes to the uh, as a as a, as an inheritance. So that's why the kituvah takes precedence. If there are still funds after that, the remaining funds get split between all of the sons. Okay, so now that we've explained the Mishnah, uh, there's an outline of the Talmud is going to look see be as follows. First, we're going to have an attempted proof that seizure is valid if the one that doesn't deserve it seizes it first. Uh, is that valid? We're going to attempt to prove that it is. We're going to reject the proof. We're going to attempt to prove that it's not, and we're going to reject that proof as well. Then we're going to see three inferences from this Mishnah. And Rav, Rav Asher is going to challenge the first two inferences and says they, they're not convincing. The language of Mishnah does not say so. And then we're going to argue that inference number one is actually a Tana'ita controversy. Rabbah is going to say, no, everyone, all the Tana'im agreed to number one. The in, it's actually inference two that is a Tana'ita controversy. And then Rav Yosef is going to go back to the before Rabbah and say that it's uh, inference number one that is actually the subject of not only this, but yet another Tana'ita controversy. But that will continue continue into the next daf. So let's begin the Mishnah, the Gemara. Medikatane harishona kodemet la shenia. Since uh, the in the f- first case 
when the the husband dies first, the first wife gets to collect her ketubah first. And it doesn't say that only the first wife collects and not the second. After all, it's obvious that we're talking about a case of limited funds because if he had enough funds to pay both ketubot, then they wouldn't have to say anything at all. Both get paid. So obviously he's talking about a case where he has only only enough money to for one. And how come the Mishnah doesn't say that only the first gets and the second doesn't get at all? Uh, instead it, used, it says that she gets paid first. Why use that? language. So we can infer from the language of the Mishnah, the fact that it doesn't say that only the one first one gets, that if the second wife went ahead and seized property before the first, then that seizure is valid. What kind of seizure are we talking about? Could be a physical seizure. She goes and takes uh, some, some of his land, or it could mean that she goes to a court and the court, not knowing that there was is another wife who was a prior wife, awards her the uh, 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 awards her this uh, the the money of her kitubah. Uh, then that decision stands, and she can keep it, even though um, really it should go to the first. And had the court known, it would have gone to the first. Okay, so that seizure can mean either physically or legally. So And therefore, if this inference is true, we can learn that in general, anytime you have two creditors, the first creditor, the earlier creditor, has an earlier lien and really should get paid first, and if there's limited funds only, but if the second creditor comes and uh, takes, seizes, uh, what seizes uh, his money first, then that is valid. So that's what we can derive from this. Um, but we say, no, maybe not. Maybe the seizure of the second uh, person is not valid. So why come the Mishnah uses the word kodemet, uh, not that she only gets it, no, the word kodemet doesn't necessarily mean the first of two that both will get something as possibly both getting it. It means she gets it only. Kodemet could mean priority to the exclusion of the other one. Uh, just like in the Mishnah that says uh, if a man has sons and daughters, only the sons inherit, the daughters get zero. It's not that the sons get first, and if the daughters go and take something that they can keep it, they cannot keep it. And so the word kodemet can actually mean exclusively. Okay, so that was the first attempt uh, to prove that seizure is valid, but we reject the attempt. And now another version of that discussion with uh, the opposite. Um, conclusion since the Mishnah does not say that if the second wife comes and seizes uh, the, her ketuvah first that we do not remove it from her so the Mishnah if that was true the Mishnah should have said it doesn't say that must mean that yeah the first wife takes precedence uh, but if the second wife seizes it, then the seizure is valid. And therefore we can conclude that in general, if there are two creditors, the second creditor comes and seizes first. Uh, what, he, uh, what he took is invalid, logava, uh, because the Mishnah would have said that it's valid if it were valid. So therefore, no, we take it away from her. Um, so can't we learn that in general the seizure is not valid? 
And we say, no, not necessarily. Maybe seizure is valid. And so why didn't it say so if, the, if in fact the seizure is valid? Oh, because in the second clause, um, it, it, that does not a place seizure would not be valid in the second clause. Um, because in the second clause, when she, when the, uh, the first wife dies, then the second wife dies, and then uh, first wife dies, then the husband dies, then the second wife dies. Um, in that case, the, sec- the, the second wife has a loan. The first wife's sons are only as benin dichrin. And so if in that case, the second wife and her sons get priority because that's a loan with a lien on it, if the first wife in that case would seize the property, we would for sure take it away from them everyone would agree because the first wife has a prior lien and a lien against an inheritance uh, the lien is going to win even if the first wife seizes it first so since in the second clause seizure for will for sure not work and uh, we already use the language of uh, so we want to keep the language consistent also in the first clause we use the same consistent language that the first uh, takes priority over the second, even though technically it could very well be that in the first clause, if the second seizes it, it will be valid, but we don't want to have an imbalance in the language of the Mishnah, and so we don't write it as such. Okay, good. So uh, in the end, there is no uh, inference that can be made from the Mishnah either way, not that seizure is valid or invalid. Okay, so next we're going to go to these uh, following three uh, inferences. The first one is that a ketubah, after the ketubah is paid, benin dichrin is also paid. So what does that mean? Nasat harishona, shema mina telat. Shema mina, achat bechayav v'achat bemoto, in the second clause where one wife dies um, while the husband is alive, then the husband dies, and then the second wife dies um, after the husband is dead. So the second wife and her heirs, the second wife's heirs will inherit the ketuvah, and after they inherit the ketuvah, the first wife's uh, sons get the um, get the benindichrin payment. Why, why would we think that? Not not so, because it may lead to fighting. Why would it lead to fighting? As follows: the son, the first sons get a ketuvah payment as a loan from uh, as a payment of a loan that was due to their mother. So they're not getting that as inheritance. So they might come and claim, "Hey, listen, we didn't get benin dichrin, so you shouldn't get benin dichrin either." Because when the first sons get the benin dichrin payment, that detracts money from the overall inheritance, and whatever's left over, they're going to get half of. So they might come to fight and say. No, we you know you shouldn't get it. So that's why the Mishnah comes to teach that you know, they they get they uh, they they get paid first, but the sons of the first wife then do get paid their benin dichrin. They still get it, and it is fair because uh, the the wives the sons of the second wife well they don't get benin dichrin because they're actually getting the kituvah. So both are getting the kituvah payment. So it's actually really only fair that they should get their kituvah payment. It's true they get it as a loan, so they get it first. So that's good for them. And since they got that, the benin dichrin also they should get their mother's kituvah payment. And so it will not lead. Don't we have to worry that it will it will lead to fighting. 
um, you know, once you see it that way, you see that it is actually fair. They're each getting the ketuvah payment. Okay, how do how how are we inferring that? Mimai mitiketane. Since it says in the second clause of the Mishnah, shiniyav yerosheha kodmim liyoshedishona, that the second wife and her heirs get paid first before the heirs of the first. That means that, yeah, they get paid first. Um, but if there is leftover money, then certainly the heirs of the first wife will get their benin dichrin. So it's a language of priority, not exclusive payment. Okay, so that's the first inference. Ushma mina, the second one. Uh, the Kituvah payment is considered a motad, a surplus. Okay, background to this uh, is that the Benin Dichrin uh, law is a Dirabanan law. Uh, because, as we said before, we want to encourage her to bring a big dowry in, and so the father, her father wants to make sure it will go to his grandchildren. That's fine. But it is a Dirabanan law, and we can't allow a Dirabanan law to override the basic deoraita law that all sons share an inheritance equally. Therefore, the rabbi said, Benin Dichrin only applies if, after the payment of Benin Dichrin, there is something left over in the inheritance that the other sons can share. Um, so that biblical, the biblical sharing, even if it's just one dinar, uh, and they can share that dinar, they're doing the biblical inheritance. But if there's insufficient funds to cover the entire benin dichrin plus some surplus, then they don't get the benin dichrin. Uh, they, uh, they, the, all the sons will simply share. Okay, so that is the background. Now, how does it apply to this? Let's say after the Kituvah, first the in this scenario, she dies, he dies, and she dies. If the Kituvah, the Kituvah payment is given to the second, the heirs of the second uh, second wife. If um, the payment would go to the Benin Dichrin and there would be nothing left over, well, then what? Do we say that, oh, they, look, there's no surplus, so sorry, you can't get the Benin Dichrin inheritance? Or what do we say, and this is what we're going to infer, that the Kituvah payment to the second wife was an amount that was itself, that covers the surplus. That's considered a surplus. And so therefore, even if, um, after the Ketuvah payment, there is there's enough to cover the Benin Dichrin, but no extra. There's nothing left over after the Benin Dichrin to the first wife's sons. Nevertheless, they still get the Benin Dichrin because there was a surplus. The surplus was just given out first. It was given to as Ketuvah payment to the second to the second wife. So we consider that the surplus. So we can we can infer from this Mishnah that yes, the Ketuvah payment to the second wife is considered sufficient of a surplus and therefore the first wife's can sons can get the foot there benindichrin even if there will be nothing left over after that uh, okay mimai had where do we see that in the mishnah in fact that doesn't say if there is a surplus dinar after the Ketuvah payment and the Benin Dichrin, then they get Benin Dichrin. But if not, then they don't get the Benin Dichrin. It doesn't say that. Therefore, it gets paid no matter what. The Benin Dichrin get it, even if there's no other surplus, because the Ketuvah itself to the second wife is considered a surplus. That's the second. Third inference, Ushma Mina.
Ketubat benin dikhrin lo tarfa mi meshabede. The third inference is that the ketuba of the benin dikhrin, that the husband will pay, that his estate will pay to the heirs of the, the sons of the second, of the first wife, that does not collect from, uh, from land uh, that is mortgaged. In other words, there's no lien um, on that. Uh, there's no lien. You can't, you can't take from lien property, uh, sold property, to pay for this because it's an inheritance. And inheritors do not collect from property that the husband had sold. Only loans can do that. So we learn from here that there's a difference between the kituba payment um, when she's alive um, and uh, when she when she survives the husband, kituba payment is a loan. There is a and that can be can't be collected from liens. Um, whereas benindichrin, even though it's a payout for her kituba, um, but it's not it, it, it loses the liens, and you have to wait till the husband dies, and then this is considered a primary inheritance. That when you ha- go through the inheritance steps. The benindichrin get paid first, and then the rest of it get paid. But none of the inheritance can collect from leaned property. That's the third one. The, how do we know that? This because if we we if we would consider benindichrin like a loan that can you could repossess lean property to pay it, then the sons of the first can go to the sons of the second and say, hey, we had a lean first because our mother's kituva was earlier than your mother's ketuvah. And so now, hey, you took a payment for your mother's ketuvah, but ours was first, and our lien on that land was first, and so they would could just go collect it from her. In other words, they would have priority. But the reason they don't have priority is because only the first, only the second one, a ketuvah payment is a loan, benindichrin is not a loan and does not collect from lien property. All right, good. That is, that is, those are the first, uh, those are the three inferences. Rav Asher does not agree with the logic of the first two. Matkif la Rav Asher. Mimai, how do you know the first one? Dilma le'olam emalach achat bechayav achat bemoto en lahen ketubat benin dichrin. Umay kodmin lenachala katane. Says maybe in the, in the second scenario, uh, when one wife dies when the husband is alive and one wife dies after the husband's death, maybe there is no benin dichrin. And when the Mishnah says, Shiniyah, Kodmin is talking about um, the uh, the uh, uh, before the general inheritance. In other words, as follows: um, maybe in this scenario, when uh, she dies, then he dies, then she dies, the kituvah payment will be paid, and after that. The sons of the second wife can say, listen, we got the kituvah payment. We didn't get any benindichrin. Sorry, you don't get any benindichrin either. And the whatever's left over after the kituvah is paid is shared equally as inheritance. Right? Um, and as we said before, because otherwise it will lead to fighting. It's they, they, it's they, they don't get benindichrin, so the first one shouldn't get benindichrin either. And we can explain the Mishnah that way. Because it says, It doesn't mean that first they get paid and then the heirs of the first wife get paid as benindichrin. It means that they get paid first and then they share the rest equally. Um, so it could definitely mean that. And if you'll ask, wait, the Mishnah, why would it use the language that the second ones get paid their ketubah 
before the um, uh, and uh, and then the uh, before the first the the heirs of the first wife, which sounds like the heirs of the first wife are getting something special. Um, not necessarily. No, it's just that since it's just for balance, since the Mishnah said that the heirs of the second get paid the Ketuvah, then it mentioned, and then the heirs of the first will get something, even though they're not getting any more, uh, anything special after that. They're not getting benin dichrin. Rather, uh, the heirs of the second get their Ketuvah payment, and then everything that's left over gets split, and that includes the, the heirs of the first wife will get half of whatever's left, but not benin dichrin. So Rabbi Asher says the Mishnah can be read equally that way, and therefore, there's no proof uh, that Benin Dichrin uh, d- does get uh, does get paid when there's a Ketubah payment for the, another wife. And regarding the second inference, that when there are limited funds, and after the Benin Dichrin payment, there'll be nothing left over, that you still give the Benin Dichrin because we consider the Ketubah payment to the second wife as a surplus, maybe not. Dilma leolam emalach en kitubah naaset motar lechaberta. Vahacha hu deika motar dinar. Maybe, uh, in fact, the kitubah is not considered um, a surplus. And so, when the husband pays the kitubah after after his estate pays the kitubah to the second wife and her or her heirs, we calculate if there is not enough money. To pay the benin dichrin and have left over, you need left over after that. Then they don't get benin dichrin. So how come in this mishnah it says that the benin benin dichrin get it? Because it's assuming that there is left over, and so that's why the mishnah didn't bother to mention it and assumes that the second ones will get it. But you're right; if there was insufficient funds, maybe you wouldn't get it. Mishnah doesn't list every single little case that uh, can possibly uh, come up. All right, so that's Rav Asher who rejects. Uh, the these two challenges, and now uh, we're gonna uh, argue that perhaps the um, it's inference number one, whether ketuvah is paid and benin dichrin is also paid, is that true or not? And we saw that there's you know we we inferred from the Mishnah that yes, Rav Asher said no. So this machloket itself between the inference and Rav Asher could be parallel to a Tanaitic controversy. Uh, so let's see how that works. Whether when in the second scenario the heirs of the first Gebenin Dichrin is a subject of machloket of Tanaim de Tanya metu. The person's uh, man's two wives died, one in his lifetime, one after his death. The sons of the of the first wife can tell the sons of the second wife that you um, uh, are the heirs of someone who who receives a loan. So you know what? Take the loan that is due to you from your mother's ketubah, 
and leave and leave the rest of the estate to us because we're going to collect the Benin Dichrin. So you see, according to this, uh, to Benanas, there is a Benin Dichrin. Basically, the uh, sons of the first are recognizing that what can we do? You have this, you, your, your mother owes, is owed a Ketubah. She died, so you get the Ketubah. You have a prior claim. You have a lien. So take it and then that's it. That's all you're getting is limited funds. Um, and so we're, we'll get the rest of it. And so there is Benin Dichrin. Otherwise, they wouldn't kick him out because otherwise the rest of it would be would be split. So going to Ben Anas, yes, they get the Ketubah and then everything that's left goes to the first uh, son, the sons of the first as Benin Dichrin. Uh, whereas Rabbi Akiva Omer, Kevar Kafsa Nachala Milifne Benehadishona Venafla Libne Benehashiniya. Rabbi Akiva says, once a husband dies, the inheritance skips over, right, eludes the sons of the first first wife and comes into the possession of the second wife. In other words, that uh, the they, um, they the sons of the second will get their Ketuvah payment because that is a loan. And then that's it. It skips over the Benin Dichrin. And after the second get the Ketuvah payment, the rest of it is uh, is split as an inheritance. So it sounds like Rabbi Akiba is saying there is no uh, there is no Benin Dichrin. So, my lab hakami palge, Morsavad, Achat Pechavachat Bemoto Yeshem Ketuvat Benin Dichrin. It sounds like Ben Nanas is saying that, yes, there is Benin Dichrin since the first said to the second, take your Ketuvah and leave, and we're going to take all the rest of it because they get Benin Dichrin. Morsavad, Achat Pechavachat Bemoto, and Lehen Ketuvat Benin Dichrin. Whereas Rabbi Akiva says, in this case, there is no Benin Dichrin, and they're saying, sorry, you skipped over you, the first ones, and it goes, the Ketuvah goes to the second, and then they do split everything. No Benin Dichrin. All right, so that's what we, we try to say, but Amarava, Ashkachtinu Lirabanan Deberav, I found the sages in the school of the of um Rav is not necessarily Rav the first generation Amora because Rabba's third generation the Rav could just mean in the Bet Midrash. So I I found the rabbis in Bet Midrash who were sitting and saying, No, that's not the only way to interpret that. We can interpret this machlok between Ben Anas and Akiva that everyone agrees that the sons of the first do get the Benin Dichrin. But actually, this Machloket, Ben Anas and Akiva, are arguing about the second inference that we talked about, uh, about whether when there are limited funds and there won't be anything left over after the Ketuvah payment and after the Benin Dichrin payment, if there's zero left over, so do they still get Benin Dichrin? Uh, depends on if you consider the Ketuvah to be itself a surplus, then they get Benin Dichrin. Um, and whether, uh, same thing with if there was a different creditor, uh, let's say there's another creditor that the husband owed money to, and so the inheritance, the estate, pays that creditor first. And then the Benin Dichrin, the sons of the first wife, get their Benin Dichrin, and there's nothing left over. So can we apply Benin Dichrin because there's nothing left over? Um, you could say no, because nothing left over, or maybe that which the estate paid to that other creditor. In other words, uh, the estate paying some creditor or paying the second wife is equal. They're both loans. 
So that's what they're arguing about. Mor Sabar Ben Anas thinks Ketubah Naset Motar Lechaberta Vuadin Lebalchov. Yes, in fact, the Benin Dichrin get their inheritance even if there is nothing left over because the Ketubah is itself considered a surplus, although it was paid first, and that would be true for a loan if if uh, if it, it paid a loan as well. Mor Sabar Whereas Rabbi Akiva thinks and Ketubah Naset Motar Lechaberta Vuadin Lebalchov. Uh, he would say that no, we're talking about a case here where there's nothing left over after the payment of the Ketuvah and the Benin Dichrin, and we do not consider the Ketuvah to be a surplus, and therefore the Ketuvah is paid, but there's not enough left over for the Benin Dichrin plus anything else. Therefore, the first sons do not get the Benin Dichrin, and they instead, all the sons, split evenly. Now, Rabak continues and says, Rabba says, when I was there with the other sages, I agreed with them mostly. I just disagreed with this last part that it would be the same for a Baal Chob. It would be the same law for a third-party loan, not any of the wives. No, if it's a third-party loan, everyone would agree that that is, in fact, a surplus because that has nothing to do with his kituvah payments, with inheritance. This is an amount that was in the estate um, that is more than the uh, payment for the Benin Dichrin. So everyone would agree that is considered a surplus, and it just happened to be that someone else got it first, and that's why the sons won't inherit it. But there was money that could have been inherited. So the biblical law is fulfilled, and therefore Benin Dichrin does go. Everyone agrees to that. Uh, but rather, the only machloket is uh, regarding a ketuvah, if this is our scenario, when the Kituvah's payment is given to the the heirs of the second wife, do you consider that also to be a surplus? Uh, ben Anas would say yes, um, and uh, uh, and so there therefore the first get the Benedictine, and Rabbi Akiva would say no. So actually, they're arguing on on that. Uh, on the second inference. Okay, that was what Rabbah said. Rav Yosef is going to go back to number one, and he's going to add yet another machloket uh, to to the mix. And first, he's going to reject Rabbah. We'll end with that. Matkif la Rav Yosef. Ihachi, Rabbi Akiva omer kevar kafsa nachala. Im yesh motar dinar mi If Rabbi Akiva was arguing only in a case where there is nothing left over, whereas limited funds, there's no money left over, then he should have said so. Instead of saying, oh, the inheritance uh, eludes the first and goes straight to the second. He missed the main point. The main point is that if, on, if and only if there's no money left over, then uh, then the first don't get don't get anything, do not get benin dichrin. So therefore, the language of the machloket does not fit with uh, with your interpretation, Rabbah. Instead, Rav Yosef is going to go back to the first. In fact, that machloket is, as we said um, uh, earlier, is talking about the first assumption uh, whether there is uh, whether the first, uh, heirs of the first get benin at all because it will lead to fighting. The second ones of the second said, We got our Ketuvah payment because our mother was alive, but we didn't get Benin Dichrin, so you shouldn't get Benin Dichrin either. We should split everything evenly. That, in fact, was what they're taught, what they were arguing on. And 
and Benanas and Biakiva are are parallel to yet another machloket between two Tanaim and the following Baraita. But the following Baraita is going to be subject to a long discussion that goes into the next half. So we'll start with this Baraita on the next half. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.